Brian Clark back here in Washington. We are in the lobby of our hotel, and we is Jill Kravis. You heard from Jill a little bit earlier, and Jill's been here working for TV all week, and we're going to talk about what we've seen in Washington this week, but let's talk about what we've seen from the other side of the continent, in Los Cabos, Mexico, Daniil Medvedev wins his first title of 2022. He beats Cameron Nori. These are two guys who seem to be really comfortable with where they are in the sport. And that's always the question, is when these guys have the initial burst of success three years ago in the U.S. summer, it was Medvedev, Nori was last year. They seem like they have arrived as consistent, certainly top 10, maybe top 20 players week in, week out. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for, for having me. I'm happy to be back. But I think the key for for that situation that you just brought up to me is it, it's not something that happens suddenly, right? I mean, these are matches that they've had over and over again. I think the consistency that's come into play, I think, is just getting used to having playing those big matches at the big times and getting in through those. And once you have that success and can handle that pressure, I think it gets a little, I mean, easier, but not like super easy, but I think it gets a little bit easier as as time goes by. And I think the fact that Nori has had so many matches lately, he won on the big stage in Indian Wells, came in as defending champion in Los Cabos. That's another different kind of pressure coming back to a tournament that you've won. And the fact that he got to the finals is impressive. But I think it's being in those pressure moments over and over again and being able to handle that over and over because you do get into a better um, mentality, I think. The defending champion heading into the U.S. Open is Daniil Medvedev. And when we look at where we are right now, Rafa Nadal is just withdrawn from Montreal. Doesn't seem like Novak Djokovic is going to be able to play at all in the summer hardcourt season. And Sasha's very, very much a question mark as he tries to fight back from injury. We'll hear from his brother a bit later in the show. It seems like Medvedev is a pretty clear-cut favorite to defend that title at the U.S. Open. I think so. I think the conditions suit him, too. I mean, he proved it, obviously, winning the title. But I think he, he likes these conditions. It's similar, similar probably humidity and um, weather-wise in Los Cabos. And this whole stretch is going to be is similar leading up to the U.S. Open. So I think he really enjoys playing in these conditions. The courts at the U.S. Open are a little bit quicker. So I would, I would, definitely, I would definitely say he's a favorite for sure. Cameron Nori, you mentioned the big kind of career-defining win last fall when Indian Wells was played in the fall. How has he been just so week in, week out consistent? Because that seems to be the biggest strength of his game. I think, you know, he has such a good work ethic. First of all, he has that mentality that he's just a fighter. He's probably one of the best competitors out there. And so I think that alone can get you through a lot of matches. But being able to come through, obviously, the way he has, has been really impressive. And I think the more often that is just becomes part part of your day-to-day -day experience, I think, is very helpful as far as um, gaining confidence and feeling a little bit better as you go out on the court. And I, you know, we mentioned the Indian Wells event, obviously had a great run at Wimbledon getting to the semifinals on the big stage in his home country. That's a lot to handle, and I felt like he handled it extremely well. And the, all those kind of small pressure moments that you are able to get through and put yourself through, I think helps a lot to get that consistency. Brian Clark here with Jill Kravis. We're on the ATP podcast. A few hours, full disclosure, before the Washington final. It's Nick Kyrgios and Yoshihito Nishioka. Nick's going to be playing two finals today. He's in the doubles final with Jack Sock as they take on Ivan Dodig and Austin Krychek. Nick, that's the story. He was the story here three years ago when he won. He's been the story of this summer with that run to the Wimbledon final. And it seemed like the big question after that run was, okay, what's he going to do now? Because he's gotten to the biggest stage in the sport, the Wimbledon final. And it seems like he has taken that experience and said, 
I want more of this because he looks like a man on a mission. The word we keep saying, he said it a few times this week, has been locked in. Yeah, and he also he also said he feels like he's matured from from three years ago from winning the title here in Washington, D.C. He feels like he's a different person. Obviously, having the success at Wimbledon was, was a huge step forward for him. I think he sort of got a taste of what it feels like to be in that situation and to get to the final and how much it takes. I think it gave him a much... It, it gives these players, I think, a much better appreciation for what, like, a Rafa, Roger, and Novak have achieved to be able to do that over and over again. So I think, I think Nick realized that, and I think he's, he's also said that, um, you know, he, he's going through a lot. There's been a lot of challenges that he's faced throughout this week, not only the conditions, singles and doubles, but on the court he's had to find ways to win against different styles of opponents, and I think that's been a good challenge for him, and I think that's only helped him gain his confidence. We've watched all of Nick's matches this week. Which match or moment putting you on the spot here impressed you the most? Because I have mine. I'm curious if yours is the same. Um, I think the Tiafo match was was a good match. Um, well, it was an exciting match. It was it was a lot of um, you know fire and passion from both of them. I would say he he mentioned that he's been wanting to play Francis for the last five years. They've been joking about it and talking about it, and I hope it lived up to <laughs> up to what he he felt like it was going to be. But I thought it was a very exciting match. I think it's you know I you, I always get asked the question how hard is it playing your friends. Um, and they're good friends, and it happens week in and week out, so you do tend to get used to it. But that doesn't mean that it's not easy at times. So um, that one stood out to me. That one stood out to me quite a bit. Did yeah. you have a different one? Well, I did, and at face value, I agree with you because you say five match points against Tiafo. There's no shortage of That's drama true with that. Too, yeah. But the way he performed against Riley Opelka. And that match was split over two days because of the weather. Correct. Was yeah. really impressive. Where yeah. he won that tight first set, uh, grabbed. Uh, the early chance, right before the rain came, it was they were on serve, and then uh, Opelka lost the first two game, two points. Rain came out of nowhere, so they didn't play until the next morning. And Nick picked up and did not miss a beat. Broke Opelka in that game and was off and running. Just the way he was able to diffuse the Opelka serve. Riley didn't have his best day, but I was really impressed with what Nick did in that match. I think that's a great point because he even mentioned on court in the interview afterward how difficult that can be because you have to be really sharp um, and a set had already gone by and you have to come out and be really sharp from the beginning because I mean games can go by like in a second with Riley if he just reels off four aces and then all of a sudden you have to put more pressure on your serve in that moment to come up with some serves obviously Nick has an amazing serve as well so he he has that behind his back as well but I think yeah that, that that's a great point and he said that is that can be challenging. He is a few hours from now going to play Yoshihito Nishioka in the final. So Jill and I, as of right now, don't know who the champion is going to be. But getting to the final of the City Open, that's a huge accomplishment. Biggest final of Yoshihito Nishioka's career. Yeah, he's he's been playing so well. Competing, amazing. He's so consistent. He's so quick around the court. And the one, the one thing that he keeps saying um, after his matches is that he's never giving up. And I think he knows that, so he believes in that in himself. And the players can feel it across the court. I mean, he's never going to not compete to his 
best ability in every single point. And he gets so many balls back. He runs down so many balls. But he, the, the thing that impressed me yesterday, in particular against Rublev, was he makes very smart decisions about what shot to hit in certain moments. And I, he, he makes it very difficult to play him because as soon as you feel, felt like Rublev had the advantage, he was able to neutralize the ball well, very smart shot, high heavy, and then get himself back into the point. And so I felt like that made Rublev not feel like he could s sort of, you know, hit through Nishioka or get on top of him. And I think that's, that's one of Nishioka's strengths. What was really impressive was the names of the players that Nishioka took down this week. You start with Jensen Brooksby, who was a semifinalist here last year, uh, finals a couple weeks ago. Um, Alex Dimonor, who beat Brooksby to win Atlanta just two weeks ago. Nishioka beats him in three. Karen Hatchinoff, such a powerful player, beat him in two. And then one of the matches of the tournament, over three and a half hours, uh, wins a 7-5 third set over Daniel Evans. So a variety of styles culminating in that win over the top seed Rublev, who had not dropped a set prior to making uh, to the semifinals. A really impressive run for Nishioka. And who knows, a few hours from now, it could culminate in a win over Kyrgios. Really, uh, just, you would think, encouraging for a universally liked players. Plenty of Yoshi fans here in Washington. Yeah, there are. <laughs> he's got a lot of fans in every match. They've been, especially little kids, yelling, come on, Yoshi, come on, Yoshi. Yeah, he's got so it's great crowd support, and, he, and he's loving it. It's, it's been impressive, exactly, who, who he's beaten. And um, that just shows you how frustrating it is to play him because you feel like you have so many chances maybe to finish the point or capitalize on the point and the ball just keeps coming back. I mean, he's just been one of the most consistent players, obviously, in, in this tournament. And he's been a lot on the court, too. I mean, he mentioned yesterday that he's feeling tired. I, I think I think just this week has been brutal, as you know, with the weather and the, it's, and the heat. And even someone like Taylor Fritz, who loves these conditions, thrives in the heat, he said he said after his second round win or third round win, I think that he said, I mean, he's like, even this is a different level. And so I think everyone has just gotten to the point where they're just going to have to, I mean, Nick is tired as well. I mean, they're just going to have to gut it out because it's been a, a long week. And in many ways, that could also be a great test. I know you and I have talked about this from your time as a, as a professional player on tour, that this is a good barometer of your fitness levels ahead of the U.S. Open because yeah. the conditions there are certainly uh, not too dissimilar from yeah. what we've got here in Washington. So to measure where they are, and with Fritz, who is the U.S. number one, had to withdraw, you know, he has been, uh, his training, he was talking about after his, his retirement against Dan Evans, that he's not been able to train because of his foot issue. So he's been right. in a boot, and when you're not able to train and acclimate to the conditions uh, when you are on court, it seems like that can really cost you, and that's what we saw against Fritz. Yeah, that was interesting because I mean, Fritz said he wasn't necessarily um, match ready, I think, to play this event. Exactly. But, yeah, because of his foot. and But he did get some practice in it and it actually played really well for maybe not feeling as prepared as he would have liked to. But um, I think, you know, he, he wants to play so badly. He just loves to compete and wants to play tournaments. So for Fritz, it's going to be important about finding that, that balance of scheduling because he just wants to keep playing and playing. And that's obviously his support team around him trying to, you know, factor in um, how, to, how to do that schedule. But I think it's important for him probably to know when to rest as well and when to take that time off. 
Yeah, so Taylor Fritz, though, still a, a lot going on for him in what's been a great year after winning uh, in Indian Wells, certainly the biggest title of his career, and he still has high hopes heading into the rest of the U.S. summer. Speaking of high hopes, they were pretty high a few years ago for J.J. Wolf, uh, that breakthrough run of the U.S. Open two years ago. Uh, the injuries really popped up, but here he makes it to his first ever ATP quarterfinal at tour level before falling to Andre Rublev, the top seed. What about Wolf has you excited? Well, it's interesting you ask me that because I've seen him play in the past and I watched him. This is probably the tournament where I've watched him the most in his career. And the one thing that stood out to me in particular was he was playing more more aggressive and also looking for those opportunities to come forward. And I liked that there was no hesitation. It was very decisive when he decided that he wanted to do that. And I think that Put, put pressure on his opponents. I particularly watched quite a bit of his match against Shapovalov where he, he won that match and that was his strategy. I mean, he was just hitting and charging forward at certain times and I think it caught Shapovalov um, by surprise and and then I was like, okay, can he, can, you know, just to watch him throughout the tournament, can he continue this? And he, he played really, he played really, really well. I, I, I mean, it's congratulations to him to, for the first time getting to the top 100. That's always a player's goal that's one of the the one of the first goals that a lot of players have is to break that top 100 mark so he he got that that's going to be a huge confidence confidence boost but i think it's now going to be about the consistency similar to what we we're talking about nori having wolf get those consistent matches over and over again because that's in the end really what um, builds the confidence throughout your career so final thoughts from washington here i'm brian clark with jill Kravis. Three years ago, let's just use this as, as a point of comparison because that was, let's call it almost the last normalish tennis season uh, pre-pandemic. 2019 City Open Final, we see Nick Kyrgios beat Daniil Medvedev. Medvedev then goes, gets to the Montreal Final, wins Cincinnati, and takes Nadal to a fifth set in the U.S. Open Final. Here he is, the world number one. Do you see anybody else from what you've seen this week who can use the last few days in Washington as a big runway to a major month in Montreal, Cincinnati, and of course New York. Um, you said you mentioned Kyrgios. Uh, he might be the answer. I mean, I think. I mean, he's looking that good. I mean, he's looking great. I mean, I was courtside watching him against Tiafo, and it's just. I mean, we all know he's how talented he is. I mean, he's ridiculous. Um, so, and I think, you know, there's just the way he's talking. He seems like he's gotten to the point where that Wimbledon final obviously was huge for him, and unfortunately for him couldn't get through but it's it, this was going to be the interesting week to watch him play to see how he performed at that follow-up because this is his first singles event back since that Wimbledon final so I think he's done a phenomenal job obviously we'll see what happens in the final today I mean I think I think there's there's quite a few um, but this is what I love about the men's and the women's game right now is I feel like this surge of players coming up and like an Alcaraz or it'll be Alcaraz did well last year at the U.S. Open he likes the courts and the conditions um, so I think I don't know I think it's going to be I, I, I kind of think it's up in the air but I do agree Medvedev's probably the favorite that's all stuff that will play out over the next couple of weeks next few minutes we'll hear plenty more from Jill Kravis who talked to a whole bunch of players this week in Washington we'll have it all covered as we continue on the ATP podcast but for right now Jill thanks for sitting down with me thank you Brian